You are listening to a broadcast of Dublin First Baptist Church, Pastor Cameron McGill in Dublin, North Carolina. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist Church and the Lake Church to hear from God's Word. To one particular pastor of Scripture we'll look at, and I, I'm working on Sunday's message and Wednesday's message a lot of times together, trying not to get the two confused. Jeremiah chapter 5, verses 20 and 21. Open up your eyes, open up your ears, and three, and it don't really fit the picture, but open up your heart. The prophet says in Jeremiah 5, verse number 20, Declare this in the house of Jacob, and publish it in Judah saying, hear now this, O foolish people. It's amazing how the prophet just get right down to business. Without understanding, you have eyes, but you see not. You have ears, and you hear not. Admittedly, on Sunday mornings as I stand here and also at the lake, and I, and I preach the gospel. I wonder sometimes, is anybody listening? Is anybody getting it? If you've ever taught a lesson, you could probably witness to this fact. Sometimes you, you wonder. And, and every day as the Lord seeks to speak to us, I imagine there are times He's wondering, is anybody listening? They, they don't always act like it. In this particular text, it calls the people of God foolish people. The Bible says, if any man says in his heart that there is no God, he is a fool and the truth is not in him. Well, it's not only if we deny the very presence of God, but when we deny the validity of God or the fact that God is, is, is involved in, in the goings on. So tonight I just want to share a couple of thoughts on the subject, life wide open. Life wide open. In other words, a life that is open to what God is doing, Right? I was at a baseball game not too long ago. You ever seen a grown man throw a fit? It won't me. <laughs> but I saw that the, the runner on first, he was getting about two steps off of first base. There was nobody guarding the base, nobody holding him on. Baseball folks get that. Others of you, well, you're just square. But anyway, and, uh, and the little guy was just standing there. And then he'd go back between pitches and he'd stand there and then he'd take about two steps off. And I noticed the third base coach, if you've ever been to a baseball game, third base coach over there, he's giving signals. He's looking right at the runner on first, and he's doing this, and he's doing this, and he's scratching and carrying on and doing all this stuff. And every pitch, he gets more adamant with his signs. And then finally, the third base coach, a little short, stout little fellow, just absolutely has a fit. He jerks his hat off and throws it down and kicks the dirt and starts screaming and yelling, Steal, boy, steal. All this time he had been trying to get the runner's attention, giving him the steal sign. Nobody's holding you on. Go, go, go. And the boy's just hanging out over there, just minding his own business, looking at the butterflies or whatever he might be doing. I wonder sometimes what it takes for God to get our attention. He's, he's waving the signs. He's adamantly moving around us. He's encouraging us and he's challenging us and he's saying, go, go, go. And all the time we're just standing there enjoying the scenery. Just taking it all in. 
I wonder tonight, is our life wide open? Are we listening? Are we hearing? Are we sensitive to what God would do? One passage in the New Testament I'll read and then just share some thoughts with you tonight. Philippians 4, 12 through 14. Philippians 4, 12 through 14. Not that I speak in respect, for I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Very dangerous passage of Scripture. I'll come back. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. But I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Are you content tonight? My prayer is that we as a church and individually be content only with one thing, and that is when we are in the hand of God, when we are in His perfect will. Share this quick story. Tiffany and I had, had just recently been married, and uh, we were serving in a small church in Spencer, North Carolina. And um, every time I walked in the doors of that church, even though it was a small church, even though it was in a dead community, even though it had very little potential on the surface, I knew that I was in the hand of God. I knew I was right where He wanted me to be. There was no substitute. I was content. I didn't need more. I, didn't, I was content simply because I knew I was in His will. A little bit of time would pass and I had a job offer. A lot more money. Much more prestigious church. The choir had more than my former church had in the entire church. It was a great opportunity. The pastor of the church offered it to me. It was Independent Baptist Church. He could hire and fire, so he offered me the job. He said, you want to think about it? You want to pray about it? I said, no, I'm sure this is God's will. I take it. <laughs> And, and I went back and I, I told my pastor of the church and he rejoiced for me. It was a great opportunity. And, and I remember going through that time as we resigned in that, those few weeks and then, and then leaving and going to this new church and walking in and, and as if you could hear the crickets in the background because I knew that while it was a great opportunity, it wasn't a God opportunity. While I knew that it was great potential, it wasn't something that God had His plan for me to be a part of. And at that moment, I became so very discontented. I became so very uh, heartbroken because I realized that while everything in our surroundings may have looked like it was a step up, it was a step out. When we look at the subject of being content, the only thing we should ever be content with is being in the will of God. Paul said, I know how to be abased or satisfied, and I know how to abound or to strive. Everywhere and in all things, I'm instructed to be full and to be hungry. We can be full, we can be strong, we can be healthy, but still desire more knowing that we can do all things through Christ. Let me give you these three things very quickly. As we looked at our little monkeys earlier, and, and Miss Louise made the great statement, tonight when we think about a life being wide open, we'll require three things. And I'm going to hit each of these in just a moment. But number one, our eyes have to be open. We have to be willing to see. Number two, our ears have to be open. We have to be willing to hear. And then our hearts must be open. We, we have to be willing to be moved in the book of Ezekiel. God says, I want to take your heart from you and give you my heart. And he says, my heart will be sensitive. My heart will be compassionate. My heart will be moldable. One of the greatest um, sadden, you know, or the greatest um, sadnesses of a church when you think about is if a church ever gets to the point that they're so stuck in their ways that they can't be moved. I'm grateful. So grateful tonight for a church that is sensitive to the Holy Spirit. But how about in your individual life? Have we ever gotten to the point that we're saying, God, I I'm satisfied. And we even use Scripture and say, I'm content, but I'm satisfied to the point that God can't move us. God can't move us. 
take it one after the other. Number one, eyes wide open. Psalm 66, verse 5. Psalm 66 and verse number 5. The psalmist has this to say. Okay, maybe that's not it. Here we go. Um, speak, Lord. I'm sorry. Hang on one more time. Here we go. Come and see the works of God. The King James says he is terrible. Normally, I love the King James. But that's one of those that just it's hard for us to understand. He is terrible. It is awesome. It is really something else. Let me read it again. Come and see the works of God. He is awesome. And what he is doing with the children of men. Come and see. If you've been through the experience in God's study, you know that the very premise of that study is look around you and look at where God is at work. And then join him. How many of you have been through that study? Okay, about a third of you. We need to go through. That'd be a great study. We need to, if you haven't already been through it, go back through it again. And, and be sensitive to that. What is God doing? Where is God at work? And then I want to be a part of that. I don't want to work against him. But it begins with just looking at where God is at work. Friend, I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of places today that could look around and say, I just don't see anything happening. Churches that are struggling and trying to figure out how to keep the doors open just one more month and, and they have no young people. I think I may have told you this story, but I was looking the other day, a church not too far from here in a much more populated area, a larger area, and uh, they had their statistics uh, listed. They're actually um, they're looking for some staff and different things. And they put an, uh, an ad out on the Biblical Recorder website. And it said, here are the stats of our church. And they had the age demographics of their church in 0 to 18. 0, and it had members or attenders, 0, none. Birth to 18, none. That's a sad commentary. There were only a handful, literally from 20 to 60. And almost everyone was over 60. And uh, we're grateful for those folks in that age category. But we realize... That so many places you look around and there are no youth, there are no children. So I think I would encourage you as a church, when we look around, we see that God is working within our children's program, within our youth program, within our missions program, with our, our heart to be planting churches and, and being active outside of the doors of the church. Most people um, in the community, when they look at a church, they say, well, a church is healthy if they're fairly full. Would that be accurate? And that's what most people would think. You're, you know, if you're meeting your budget and the pews are fairly full, then you're, then you're healthy, right? The fact of the matter is that when we want to examine a, a healthy church, you look for a church that, that God is working through. I was talking to someone yesterday, and it might have been Joe. I don't remember it was somebody. And uh, we're talking about some of the church. There are churches out there today that their heart is for planting more churches, and they're planting multiplication churches. Let me explain what that means. They're planting churches with the sole intent that the churches they plant will then in turn plant more churches. You know, a church needs to grow like kudzu. You know, just go everywhere you can. Just reach as many people. Just do as much as you possibly can. And the fact of the matter is that a church will only grow to a certain, you know, size and to be healthy. And many times then they plant another church. And it's just like dividing a plant. We did that on the first when we shared about the lake church and things. We took a big plant. We divided it and said, now there's two and each can grow. And, um, but anyway, this particular church, uh, their goal is to, it, it was, Joe, I remember. Now, how many churches were they wanting to plant? Yeah, 20 churches. You sure it was 20? I thought it was like 200. But um, bunches and bunches. The, the, yeah. the Summit Church is trying to plant like 1,000 churches in 10 years. And you say, that's impossible. How would you do that? Well, you plant a church and it plants 10 churches and it plants 10 churches. 
Y'all ever been to Camp Clearwater and seen the cats? Y'all, I mean, they just multiply, right? And that's how the gospel spread across this globe. It started with a handful of people in an upper room. So, so whenever you look at that and you see, well, that's that church's heart. That's what that church is wanting to do. And, and the people, here's, here's, here's where I wanted to connect the dots. Here's what's going on. So the people in these churches, um, and this, this church is in Raleigh, and so this church has a lot of professionals, people with lots of degrees and different things, and so they say, you know, I've got a job in Raleigh. Well, I can get a job in, what are some of the cities? So what they're saying is saying, okay, folks, looking out across their congregation and said, we want to lose about 50 of you this year. We want to lose 100 of you this year. And they're like, what do you mean? We want you to pray about partnering and going and helping plant the church. So families are saying, we feel led to go to El Salvador. We feel led to go to Wyoming. We feel led to go to Charlotte. And they're literally moving into those communities, selling everything, abandoning everything, finding them a job just so they can go and invest and be a part of that church plant. Does that sound kind of foreign to y'all? It does to me. But it's what happened in the New Testament. It's exactly what happened. They didn't just build big buildings and say, y'all come. So you look and that's what's going on in that church. Other churches that are having you know, great impacts through their particular ministries. And we're grateful for that. Um, I've got a good friend who's the new pastor now uh, at First Baptist Church, Bowie's Creek. And his heart, his passion is to reach the students at Campbell. There's not been a strong evangelical work there on the campus in, in literally decades. And he's excited. And his heart is to begin reaching those students on the campus at Campbell. What do we do? We look at where God is at work. Listen, two kinds of folks in the church are not being critical. It's just the way it is. There are the folks that say, I get it. I see it. This is where God is at work. Only you'd have to be blind not to see it. And then those, there's an old statement that says, there's none so foolish as those who will not see. You ever heard that? I'm not willing to look at that. I'm not willing to see where God's at work. This is where I want God to work. I want God to fit in my box. And anywhere else, I'm not willing for him to work. Eyes wide open. Two things. Number one, examine the evidence. How do we do that? Well, the evidence, God always works according to his guidelines, which is his word. Um, so, so we look at how, how the Holy Spirit worked in the New Testament, how he worked through the, you know, the, the, the first century church, and we say he's working the same way today through church multiplication and through disciple making and all of these things. So we examine the evidence. I know, I feel like I, I brag on, on you a lot. I go places and, and I brag on your heart and your vision and, and you know, your, your courage to step out of the box. Um, you may or may not realize this, but there's not another church in the state of North Carolina in a rural setting that stepped out and went across town and planted another church. Um, and, and you might wonder, well, was it worth it? Sunday morning as we were uh, there, and, and of course it was a stressful morning and learning about the death and all those kind of things. But people kept coming in, and they kept coming in, and they kept coming in. And I'm thinking, who are all these people? Until the building was packed to the point of capacity. And as I stood there and I watched that, my heart rejoiced, not only for all those people being there, but rejoiced for the fact that Dublin First Baptist had courage enough to step out of the box and go and plant a church that is reaching people that otherwise we probably would not have reached by simply building a bigger building here or making more services here or whatever. And that's just one example. You examine the evidence. Yes, God, thank you for what you're doing. When you look at, at, at the kids that are coming in, is it really worth it? You know, having, you know, youth ministries and having an Awana ministry, absolutely it's worth it just to examine the evidence. Number two, 
encourage the work. Okay, here it is. When you look at what God is doing, don't discourage it, but encourage it. Encourage it. I got a phone call today. I hadn't got a chance to return the man's call. His name is Harvey Brown. Harvey Brown attends First Baptist Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I think Harvey's 97 years old. And this is one of the most dynamic guys that I know. I mean, he is a bundle of energy. Um, he wears out canes about every two months, has to trade in for a new one. Uh, but he has a heart for reaching young people and evangelizing. And I mean, he's just an amazing guy. And I look at him at 97 years old and I think, wow. And he's so sensitive to what God is doing. You know, and he's one of the most discerning people I've ever met. And I'm grateful for that. He sings in a choir and he's wanting to come here and bring his choir and sing. That'll bless your heart. And I hope we'll be able to work that out real soon. Number one, eyes wide open. Just look around and see where God is at work. Number two, ears wide open. First Samuel chapter 3. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. That's a simple little phrase, but I wonder sometimes, are we truly listening? God, I really don't want to hear from you. I don't want to be challenged. I'm satisfied. I'm content. I'm good. And God's saying, but I'm trying to give you a sign. I'm trying to tell you what to do. When was the last time God spoke to you? Somebody might say, well, I don't know that he's ever spoken to me. Let me tell you, God didn't always speak in clouds and thunders, you know, waves. In fact, the Bible says we need to be so attentive that we can hear his still, small voice. So how can we live a life with our ears wide open? You see, our eyes wide open is simply acknowledging what's going on, but our ears wide open, that's between us and God. God never is the author of confusion, so he won't tell you one thing and me another thing. But he didn't necessarily broadcast to everybody at once. He speaks to us individually. There are times in my, in my house, I holler, boys! And then I usually holler, boys! And then I usually holler, boys! I mean it. You know, after about five or six times, they finally realize I'm talking to the boys. Right? Sometimes God says, church! Church, my bride! But sometimes, just like in my house, I'll say, Jay, or Jay Thomas, Brooks Cameron. Sometimes I go through the whole name and even call them the dog's name. You know what it's like. But I have something specific for that individual child, so I call them out by name. And sometimes when I call them out by name, I have to continue calling because, to be honest, they really weren't listening. In fact, get this, sometimes they kind of thought if they just got real quiet and hunkered down, maybe I'd quit calling them and I'd give up and I'd just go on and do what I wanted to do through somebody else. Right? Sometimes I'll holler upstairs for Brooks. And after about the third time, Jay will say, you better go. <laughs> and, and the reason is because Jay knows... If I call him for Brooks three or four times, I might get the idea that Brooks isn't there, and I'll say, Jay, and Jay's, oh, no, now i got to go do whatever Brooks was supposed to do, you know? Sometimes we have this idea that when God's calling us, when God's leading us, when he's nudging us, that if I'll just sit real quiet, maybe he'll go on and call somebody else. Maybe he'll put that on somebody else. Friend, that's the last thing as a believer we ought to want, you know? Number one, we need to be sensitive. So how can we be sensitive to his voice? 
spending time in the Word of God, getting to know Him. Listen, sometimes whenever we think God's speaking, we're not sure, is that God or is that the enemy? Listen, sometimes, you remember, I was growing up, there were these ventriloquists, you know, and it was sometimes hard to tell if they were, you know, who they were, and they'd kind of do these things and have the little dummy. And then others, they were, um, what's the guy's name that would always take off on other characters? And he could sound like Ronald Reagan, he could sound like Jimmy Stewart. Come on, y'all, who was he? Rich Little, that's him. And man, he could go right off. And, and sometimes you wonder, is that really God speaking? Well, see, the more we spend time in the Word of God, we'll recognize His voice. He'll never tell us something that contradicts His Word. So spending time in His Word, it develops a sensitivity, a desire, a sincere desire. I really, really want to hear from you. Lord, I really want to know what you're saying to me. He is the father to the fatherless. He wants to speak to His children. I think, too, making sure that there's nothing that's inhibiting that conversation. In other words, sin within our lives can keep us from being sensitive and being able to hear His voice, be it guilt, be it whatever it might be. We need to be to the point that we're right with Him so that there is an open line of communication and we're very sensitive. You know in your relationships with other people, the closer you are and the closer that relationship, if it's your spouse, the more intimate that relationship, the greater the lines of communication. But when there's a distance, sometimes you don't communicate so well. There's a great benefit in our sensitivity. Samuel spoke out and said, Lord, speak. Your servant's listening. And then secondly, not only is it a matter of sensitivity, but it's also a matter of submissiveness. Say that word with me. Submissiveness. It's a big word, ain't it? I just thought it's hard to say. I wanted to make y'all do it. Submissiveness. And what does that mean? It means not only am I going to listen to God, but I'm going to obey God. I'm going to be obedient to what He says one step at a time. The Bible says if we will be faithful in a little, He'll be, make us rulers over much. So if we want to see God do great things in our life, we've got to first be willing to step out in faith and do some of those good things. I want God to do big things with my life. We'll be faithful. Let Him do some small things first, right? When was the last time... And just think about this personally, individually. When was the last time God led you to do something and you did it? Uh, go back to Natalie and pick on her a little bit more. You know, I'm sure at that moment, buying flip-flops, wherever they were buying in, there, in the store, there was a moment of decision. There was a call. I don't know if just the... The, the commotion on the beach or somebody hollered, don't know what, but there was a call. There was an instant that they realized there's, some, there, there's a need. There's something that I'm being beckoned. There's something I'm being drawn to. And so they were sensitive to that. They realized that. But then immediately there was a response. There wasn't a, well, I'm doing other things. I've got to count the cost. Do I really want to get involved and all these kind of things? There was just a response. So when it comes to the Word of God and when it comes to His will, it's a matter of saying, Lord, I want to see where you're at work. I want to hear what you're saying to me. And then I want to be submissive. I want to be responsive. I want to be an immediate, immediate responder. Brooks has joined the fire department. That's a, kind of a scary thought, but uh, he's enjoying it, you know. He's got that little pager, and it goes off, and, you know, uh, so he jumps and springs to duty, and he goes over, and they let him ride along and hold a sign or do whatever or clean up or whatever he does, you know. And it makes me, I don't know, kind of feel old and proud all at the same time. But I'm grateful to know that there are people all around us that at a moment's notice are going to come to our rescue if we have a heart attack and kick out here in the floor. Somebody's going to come in here and pick me up. Eventually, 
Um, if my house catches fire, somebody's going to show up and spray water on it, right? I mean, there, there are people that are ready, that are ready to respond. And, and I wonder when, whenever God's looking at his church and, and he's looking at his people, he's saying, are they truly ready to respond? Are they listening? We served in Rockwell for five years, and on Sunday nights, I preached quite a bit on Sunday nights, and it seemed like about 6.30 or so, every Sunday night, there was going to be a fire call. They didn't have pagers. There was a, a whistle, and it was not far from the church, just as far as from here, maybe to the outlet store down here. And that thing would go off bla- blazing. You might as well just quit because you couldn't hear anything. And boy, those old volunteer firemen, they'd get up, and they'd, they'd bust out. Well, I, I used to be really a, a wild man preaching. I wouldn't, you know, very common. And I remember one night I was preaching in a big way about evangelism, and that, that horn went off and all them old fellas jumped up and ran out the door to see which one could get there first and drive the truck. And, and I stopped them in their tracks. I said, bless God, the whole world dying and going to hell and y'all about to run out of here for somebody's brush fire. You know, but the fact of the matter, they didn't really appreciate that, but the fact of the matter is that we need to be absolutely spiritually the first responders. God, I'm ready. God, lead me. God, my eyes are open. I'm looking at what you're doing. God, my heart, or excuse me, my, my ears are open. I'm listening to what you're saying. God, I want to be a part of this. Think about that old boy on first base I'm glad that story came to mind that boy in first base did not have his eyes open he didn't even realize that first baseman was not holding him on his eyes were closed oblivious to what was going on his ears were closed wasn't listening to a thing that coach was saying over there wasn't paying attention to those signs and wasn't getting anywhere either wasn't helping the team out In fact, he was being detrimental. Number three, living a life wide open requires our eyes to be open, requires our ears to be open, but then thirdly, requires our hearts to be open. The Bible says that we need to guard our heart for out of it are all the other issues of life. So this is not the third, but rather the most important of all three. What does it look like when our hearts are wide open? It is a heart that truly desires to be used of God. A heart that is eager. A heart that wants to be a part of what God is doing. Not not opposed to it, not sitting on the sidelines, not getting in the way. If you're here tonight and you might say, well, preacher, that's that's where I'm at. But I just, I don't know how, I just don't know how. Well, it begins with his inspiration. That's so hard to identify at times. But it's a whole lot like, you remember when you were younger and you'd ask your mama or your daddy or somebody, you'd say, how will I know when I meet that special someone? And that older, wiser, scared to give you the truth person would say what? You'll just know. How many of you did it work that way for? Okay, some of you. Well, let me say, while it's hard for me to stand here and put into words what the inspiration of God looks like or what it sounds like or what it feels like, I promise you, if you are a believer, God will inspire you from time to time and you will know. A few years ago, Time gets away from me, but uh, many years ago, like seven years ago, um, Tim and I were getting ready to, to go uh, to have a, uh, a, what do you call it, not a honeymoon, an anniversary. There we go. An anniversary. And 
for our 15th anniversary, which was, I think, our first trip since our honeymoon. But um, I, I kept shopping around, and I had all kind of great ideas. I thought, it's July, Wrigley Field, Chicago. She'd love it. I mean, come on. Who wouldn't, you know? Yeah, I mean, but you can't get tickets to Wrigley Field, I found out. So I kept going back and forth, and I thought, train trip. Sounds cheap, you know? And uh, so I started looking on Amtrak, and I just got so frustrated, and I finally looked, and the cheapest ticket she could find were to New York City. And I clicked buy, and I got it, and, and I, I'm done. And I went, and I said, baby, we're going to New York City on our anniversary. And she said, New York City? Are you crazy? I hate New York City. All those people, the smell, the stench. I've never been there, but I can only imagine, you know? And, uh, and I thought, boy, I have really, really blown this, you know? I can't get my money back because that was how part of the getting a really cheap ticket. You can't get your money back. You can't transfer it. I can't sell it to somebody. I'm stuck. So we showed up. We um, took kids up to Salisbury, got on the train, her pouting, me praying it'll be over in a few days. I didn't want to go either. I'm thinking, Lord, how'd this happen? Takes one to know one, my brother. <laughs> so fast forward, we get on the train, we're going, it's July. If you don't know anything about Amtrak, but when it's over 80 degrees, the passenger trains, when they're on freight train, train tracks, they cannot run over 30 miles an hour. I kid you not, mopeds were passing us, and I'm looking out the window, and I'm thinking, this may be my last anniversary trip. She may kill me before we get home. The stench just within the Amtrak, there was something wrong with the, with the air, there was something wrong with the toilets. It's a lot like that bus trip I took some of y'all on to New York a couple years ago. But anyway, <clears throat> the train trip, which was supposed to take like 8 to 10 hours, took like 14. We got there at like 1 o'clock in the morning. Both of us hungry, both of us fed up, both of us not in a good way. We got down Penn Station, we got our bags, we drug them up the stairs, and we walked up, and it was just like we thought. It was hot, it was smelly, it was trash night piled everywhere. And we stood there and we looked up and we both began weeping. And we knew that at that moment we had just had a divine appointment that we had not had any intention of making or keeping. So we spent the next two days exploring how we could be involved in ministry and missions in New York City. Now, I can promise you Cameron didn't have anything to do with that. Probably well over half the people in this room have been with either Tiffany or myself to New York City and been, been in ministry there. That's pretty cool, huh? All because of this crazy mistake I made booking an Amtrak ticket. Oh, friend, God is not the author of confusion. I wasn't looking for the inspiration that day, but walking up from Penn Station, God inspired us. May I ask you, what is God inspiring you to do right now? The last thing, not only does he desire to inspire us, but he invites us. Now, what does he invite us to do? He invites us to join him. What a great place. What an awesome place to join him where he is at work. He doesn't say, now, y'all go work for me. Y'all go work for me. But he says, hey, I'm going to work and y'all come join me wherever it is. How about it? Your eyes open. You see what God's doing? He's doing so much. 
I've never felt so humble as I have the last month or so. Just, just thing after thing after thing of just seeing the amazing things that God is doing. The ears open. God, I've not always listened to you. God, I've not always responded, but God, I want to hear you. God, I want to know what you're up to, and I want to, I want to be a part of it. God, my ears are open. I'm listening, God. But God, more than anything else, my heart's open. I don't want to get hard-hearted. I don't want to get cold-hearted. I don't want to get so indifferent, God, that you can't move me. God, I want to be sensitive. I want to be still. And I want to be obedient. Obedience is not a mind thing. It's a heart thing. Life wide open. My prayer is that when I'm 97, that I'll be just like Harvey Brown. He's one of the most wide open people I know. His eyes, his ears, and his heart. Father, thank you for the privilege of being in your house together tonight. Thank you that you do speak to your children. And Lord, where you're at work, you want us to see it. You want us to join you. God, what a great invitation. I pray that we would be faithful to respond to that invitation. God, you would do the greatest things, Lord, ever in the days that still lie ahead. Bless our church, the campuses, Lord, here and those uh, in New York and, and abroad in Moldova and others, places of ministry and missions that you're using us. Father, may we be able to see what you're up to. Thank you for the work with our children, our youth, our senior adults, and all in between. Every ministry, Lord, it's your ministry, not ours. And God, I pray that you would help us to be more sensitive than ever before to where you're at work and then that we would join you and that God, through it all, you would be glorified. In the precious name of Jesus, I do pray. Amen.